I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. And uh, as we've been talking uh, throughout uh, the last couple of weeks, there's just some uh, interesting phenomenons going on around the country, conversations that we should be having but aren't, uh, issues that we need to address but uh, don't seem to quite be able to to get to, uh, swings from one side to the other, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a wild, bumpy ride on a host of uh, issues here in the United States. And uh, if, if you missed it over the weekend, uh, one of the best uh, opinion pieces and pieces of information I've seen on the March of Cancel Culture uh, was in actually the Deseret News. Christian Sagers, a great colleague and friend of ours, and uh, I thought, you know, we need to get Christian on to to talk about this because I think it's such a un- unique and interesting thing to look at, and his take was so powerful. I've been sharing it with friends across the state and former colleagues back in D.C. because I think he's really on to something that we need to get to in terms of our conversation so that we can move forward, as we were talking about earlier in the program. Christian, thanks for joining us today. Hey, boy, thanks for having me. All right. So in, in your piece, uh, maybe you can just tee it up uh, for our listeners. You you start by talking about James Bennett, uh, who was the now former uh, opinion editor uh, for the world's biggest newspaper, New York Times. Uh, tell us a little bit and just kind of frame that for us. James Bennett's story is really a perfect encapsulation of what you just said. We're, we're in this wild, bumpy ride. And, and I think this story really, really just captures this. So Bennett is uh, a journalist of the highest standard. I mean, he comes with all the credentials you would expect of the opinion editor of the New York Times. He was the editor of the Atlantic before that. Um, he was to be on the short list to run the Times someday. Uh, as an opinion editor, he really expanded the, the way opinion news is delivered. He really did some inventive things. I, I mean, I'm just saying this to say he, he really had great things going for him. And then, uh, obviously, the murder of George Floyd and the ensuing protests sparked all these conversations. One of those conversations came from um, Senator Tom Cotton from uh, Arkansas. And he, in his piece, uh, well, it was, it was taken many different ways, but uh, Tom Cotton's piece argued to send in the troops to uh, quell the unrest and these protests we were seeing around the country, and immediately just have all this backlash. Um, the public was outraged. Um, the Times later came out and added an addendum to the top of the piece saying, you know, there's some misinformation here. We didn't fully vet it. Maybe it shouldn't have happened. But then it initially defended the decision to run it. He said, you know, we these are the kinds of conversations as painful as it may be, 
we need to be having in this country. And opinions like Tom Cotton need to be scrutinized. Yeah. Um, but really, the scrutiny came for Bennett instead. And this, this groundswell of emotion from within the Times opinion room, or not only the opinion room, but the newsroom, as well as the subscribers, it was just overwhelming. And eventually, Bennett uh, appeared in a video call in front of, in front of the, um, the company. He apologized. He later resigned. And, and that's what I argue is just this encapsulation of cancel culture. It's, it's not that an employee made a mistake and the board of directors asked him to leave. It right. was this, this, this swelling of emotion, this anger, this, this heartbreak, and that's what compelled him to leave. Yeah, he, he really was, in essence, uh, he was canceled uh, by that groundswell, as you say, that, that emotion from staffers and the public uh, really, really put an end uh, to all of it. Uh, and so as with that as a, a backdrop, again, if something like that can happen, you know, with it to the opinion editor of the New York Times, uh, that that's pretty telling in terms of where we are. Uh, I want to play for you, Christian, as we transition into the back half of your article, which is really where you start uh, driving us forward. Uh, I want to play this uh, clip. We we played this a little earlier of George W. Bush in 2000. But to me, it captures the essence of, I think, where you go with the rest of your piece. Recognizing and confronting our history is important. Transcending our history is essential. We're not limited by what we have done or what we have left undone. We are limited only by what we're willing to do. So respond to that, Christian, in the context of, of your piece in terms of what we're really looking at and confronted with now. Well, that's a powerful statement from, from President Bush, and it reminds me of something that his Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice, said uh, a few years ago when there was this uh, foment about Confederate monuments back in 2017. She said, um, in essence, when we start wiping away our history, we're really on a bad track. But also that these monuments and, you know, insert anything else you want in that, in that phrase uh, at this moment, they're not actually our history, our heritage. They're just history. Mm. And I think that's a very important distinction, which I agree with. We, we, we have a choice to, um, to accept the, the stories we've been told over years, or we have a choice to scrutinize them, which I think is, is an appropriate thing to do. We have a choice to understand the complexity that these figures and these heroes might have with them, and, and to move forward from that. We can look at the past, understand the mess, or try to make sense of the mess, at least, and, and use that to move forward to build really just America's yeah, I, I think that's so vital uh, that we do. We have to confront the history for sure. We don't have to accept it as our heritage, uh, but if we aren't willing to to have those conversations, if we're just going to uh, clean everything out uh, as if it didn't happen, uh, that's a really dangerous place to get to, don't you think? I agree. Uh, and and I, I do want to make this very clear. That's what, this, you know, our, our Anglo-American heritage has been doing to history for decades. We, we have unfortunately, in essence, canceled a lot of a lot of periods of our history that just weren't pleasant to think about. We've canceled lynchings and massacres. 
periods of minority empowerment, the, a lot of those examples are, are absent from our history books and our conversations. And I just want to make sure that's wrong. We yes. shouldn't be able to accept that, which is why in this piece for Desert News, I argue these neo-cancelers, as I call them, have it backward because they're in essence trying to do the same thing, canceling the history because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But if we accept that history along with all the other stories, put them in context and maybe try to make sense of what was going on, understand the complexity, understand the pain and heartache that some of these stories do bring, then we just have a more complete history of the country. And that's that's very important for uh, no question. And uh, if you're just joining us, we've got Christian Sagers on the line with us uh, talking about his piece uh, about the march of the cancel culture. And uh, just about a minute to go, Christian. And uh, I wanted you to, to just share kind of the ending of your piece in terms of really tapping into what I think is the essence of America. America is really a redemption story uh, at its core. And as you were talking about that, the complexities, uh, we have to embrace those because that's really who we are. Absolutely. We have to embrace that complexity. And the only way I think that we can do that is to make sure that we have this full array of virtues at our disposal. So these these activists who hope to help us understand this problematic history, they're striving for honesty, respect, and dignity, and those wonderful attributes that we should embrace. Virtuous societies also have repentance and forgiveness and mercy. And that enables us to be flawed, but to improve. And that's vital. I mean, it's, it's absolutely essential for for a functioning humanity. Yeah. If if we're going to move forward, we need opportunities to acknowledge weakness, to acknowledge weakness in others, and and to help each other improve rather than just you know canceling somebody at their first mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Great insight. Uh powerfully written. If you've missed that, again, go to Deseret.com. Uh, the, the title is, Is There Anything Stopping the March of Cancel Culture? Great insight there. Christian Sagers, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Boyd. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. Final break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the call of leadership, the certain trumpet, the sound we all need to know and understand and follow. Find out what it is next on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.